0: On R2C2, CeCe Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in DC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com.
1: Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as so he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber. Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Kindness.
0: Kevin O'Verno. I had some listeners message me after our trade deadline show on Friday telling me, Kevin, you forgot to tell Chris that he owes you $100 because oh, Andrew Wiggins is still with the Golden State Warriors. So, Chris, just real quickly before we talk about everything today that we get going, my Venmo is at Kevin O'Connor NBA. <laughs> if you want to send that 100 bucks right on over because Wiggins on his way to a long, fruitful career with the Golden State Warriors. It's I'm good betting. Say,
1: let me say this. I It is my opinion, and I will put this out there right now, that Clay Thompson should pay that money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on.
1: The whole theory was Chris, that
0: Christopher Vernon when, should pay that money. <laughs> when they
1: have, when they have, when Clay Thompson is there, that there's going to be a better utilization of the money than Andrew Wiggins. Therefore, he will not be there. But in the absence of Clay Thompson, my bet went to hell in a handbasket. The only thing I will <laughs> ask you is. Uh, do you accept top shots at pay as payment? <laughs> um, it, uh, it appears the closest one to a hundred oh dollars I have is a uh, Tobias Harris, cool cats. And so <laughs> you, maybe I could just transfer you over a Tobias Harris top shot. No, I will, I will send you your money. You won the bet. Clay Thompson, the next time I see you, I am going to uh, I am going to alert you that you cost me hundred dollars by tearing your Achilles. Um, but look here, here is hoping Clay Thompson's able to come back. By yeah. the way, Curry was it's back open. last night. That was nice to see yeah. Steph Curry great, back cr- in the ball. Great vault, to see Steph back doing yeah. Steph Curry things, great nonetheless. Right. Um, let's get to what has happened since we last spoke. Well, we did our trade deadline postmortem, and since then. We start looking at the buyout market and we had a couple of big names, though, who knows how much they will impact the respective places they go land in different spots. The headliners were LaMarcus Aldridge going to the Brooklyn Nets, which was, I thought, a little bit surprising because it felt like most of the reporting was Miami right that
0: that he yeah, made a lot of in, Miami noise yep.
1: yeah that there was a lot of Miami noise in all of that so aldridge ends up going to brooklyn they had already signed blake griffin in a similar circumstance after a buyout and so i think i think that's what was surprising right that they got blake griffin and now they get lamarcus aldridge and so you're just piling up these players those obviously in many ways can duplicate each other who knows how much they would be able to play together. And honestly, who knows how many minutes either of them are getting when it matters most in round two and round three of the playoffs, which
0: you certainly expect Brooklyn to be in. What do you make of Aldridge signing there? I mean, I'll lump them both up together. I think with Aldridge and Drummond, Drummond going to the Lakers, Mm -hmm. both of these guys just add another option To the rotation, you know, look at look at the front court of these teams as, you know, like relief pitchers in baseball. You know, you get your lefty in the pen you have, you know, for certain matchups, certain situations, you might have a guy who throws a fastball in certain situations, guys who have a breaking ball. And with the Brooklyn Nets, you have all these different types of flavors of big man, DeAndre Jordan for rim running, Nick Claxton for defensive versatility with size, Blake Griffin for playmaking and like higher upside as we've already seen with him. And now you have LaMarcus Aldridge who can provide a scoring punch and there might not be a lot of situations in which you need scoring when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. That's what was there for you. Right. I I thought he would come off the bench and be a heater
1: for somebody. Right. Like, you know, you come in at six minutes uh, into the third quarter, they come in, they bring Aldridge, he gives you a, you know, five and a half minutes, but he might get you eight points and, and he's done his thing.
0: But he and he still could though, you know, I mean, we're, we're seeing Blake get some buckets out of the role he's getting some open three pointers and all that so aldridge can provide that too. the key for brooklyn with aldridge is that he needs to be better than what we saw defensively in san antonio when he just did not care about contesting shots you know recovering back to his man at the three-point line he needs to be better on the defensive end of the floor and with with drummond and the lakers it's a lot of the same questions you know he adds that big body to that you know to that group with the front court and i know you know I think he tweeted the other day, you're not gonna love seeing him play ahead of Marcus Sol. Oh my gosh. But, but Drummond is right now at the stage of his career is a far superior rebounder. He's one of the best rebounders in basketball, one of the best rebounders we've seen in the last ten plus years. That's so, the only thing he is and, better and than Marcus All at yeah. <laughs> And that's what he's great at. So for the Lakers, if AD misses any time, it's another guy to add to that rotation. And if AD does play, AD isn't Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis is playing, you can play him with a big bruising center in Drummond. Granted, he's gotten eaten alive at times by a and Jokic. But the fact is, is that he's a bigger body and fills a need there, while also providing the rebounding to complement Harrell with the energy, with the scoring to complement Gasol with the three-point shooting, with just the reliability as a passer. You know the steadiness that Gasol provides. So it's all these different flavors that Aldridge adds to the Nets, that uh, that Drummond adds to the Lakers. So the two favorites. Got a lot stronger with the bio period. Um, in the in the in terms of the respective way you can through a bio, and I like what both teams did.
1: Yeah, but on, on the team side, obviously, if these guys want to come there, you don't say no. For both players, I found it to be puzzling, just because on on the Drummond side, who Why? knows? They want to
0: go win a ring. Chris. Go go win. Go win a ring.
1: Yeah. Okay, but without being a massive part of winning a ring. That's the thing, right? That, Most of these guys, those guys
0: aren't capable. I don't I'm, think personally, well, I know of being a may, big part. Maybe
1: not, maybe not, but I mean, uh, Andre Drummond could, you would figure thinks he could be on the court at the end of a finals game where, where they win the title. And you can't have him on, uh, not in a close game. You could have him if it's a blowout, but I mean, with, you don't want to put the adventure that he is at the free throw line, you know, deciding these games yeah. at the end of games. Um, with with Aldridge more so, I understand. But again, you could have gone to somebody else that could really compete. And, and by the way, you're saying they want to win titles. Both of them can't win a title, right? So only one of them can win a title, assuming it's one of those two teams. So at that point, it is with Drummond, I would think, hey, would I want to go somewhere that could really pay me in the offseason? Somewhere that I'm going to be for longer than these three months or whatever it may be, Right on and play a ton of minutes the other side of it the Aldridge thing is more understandable because that's just I'm coming to the twilight of my career latch on to somebody and we'll see how much I could contribute but there's no question if your idea was to contribute like the most that's not the place where he was going to be able to contribute the most to whatever they were going to be doing. He is so far down the pecking order. I don't even know. Does he does he get more minutes than the Bruce Browns and the Nick Claxtons and the and the Jeff Greens of the world? I mean, I
0: probably Maybe not. not the, right? There, there so might I be mean, there might be some series, but that's that's going to be, you know, guys are going to have to sacrifice and be unselfish and realize there will be nights that you don't play or that you don't play as much as you usually do. That's what I said, but he would have played and, in yeah. Miami,
1: he would have played in Portland, he would have played in some of these other teams. You know what I'm saying? If you wanted to play, and you wanted to really contribute, there were options for you, or you could just go latch on and yeah, I guess you, you, be there for I, the party. I don't.
0: Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Chris. I, I, I don't look at it as much as latching on. I think it's contributing to no. It's contributing to the team and adding an element to the team that could be needed in a playoff series. I mean, these teams have they don't so much need you. Everybody knows they don't need they don't need him. It didn't it did not may, move may, the maybe, needle. Maybe need maybe need is too strong of a word. It didn't but, move the needle yeah.
1: an inch. If anything, it might have put the needle down a little bit. Because if they if they got to play him, more options you have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, more well, I mean, is better. It, I think to, to withstand injury. I mean, I guess I don't know. Uh, Damian yeah, Lillard, injury can
0: happen, Chris. I mean, KD's been out for what four weeks.
1: Damian right Lillard now? not thrilled about it. Did you see his Instagram post? I, I thought I, that was funny. I, oh, I, 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 yeah. Clearly, he says, my loyalty is my biggest flaw. I'm too solid for this weird-ass era. No cap. <laughs> and, I mean, because there are guys like him that are cut from that cloth, which is, you know, let's, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get my team together, and we're going to go and compete. I'm not just going to latch on to, to winners, but that's what we saw in this buyout market. We saw guys just well, well, on, I, I right? don't under, Not- I don't
0: understand that though. I, I mean What do you mean? Like you you're saying latching on to a winner. So mm-hmm. what if a guy wants to contribute to a winning a championship instead of going to a place where he'll play more minutes and more consistently. I don't I, I, I understand like the loyalty aspect. I don't understand the problem with a guy being like, okay, I understand I'm not the guy anymore and that I can contribute in a, in a minimal role. To me, I look at that as kind of like an unselfish act. like if he has a big moment in a game six that is remembered by Nets fans for many years to come and it becomes one of the moments of his career and but then he has a D, DNP CD the next game. I look at that, you know, like good, good on him. You know, that that's sacrificing for the greater good of a team that has a mission to win a championship. I don't look at that as some negative necessarily like with the guy not being loyal or Aldridge could have went back to Portland. Like Portland did have interest in Aldridge and there was mutual interest. That's been, uh, I don't know if that was reported, but it's what I heard prior to his decision to go to Brooklyn, just as Miami wanted him too, the Lakers also wanted Aldridge too. So, for him, he had different choices to go to different places, and I, I I respect his decision. Yeah, well, I mean that is, but he clearly, if he goes to Portland, he plays a bigger role. We yeah, know. so what? You know, I win in the championship. They can't stop anybody, right? They
1: might not win a title, and so that's why he didn't do it, right? Yeah. Instead, I and, and I think I think Damian Lillard is cut from the cloth of I can help this team go. Let's go. Let's compete. Let's go play against each other, right? Not, I want to team up with the best guys so that I don't, so I just win.
0: Everybody was I mean, talking it's the same, about It's, it's, it's different uh, the, eras You know what the, I mean? The, goal, the goalposts have moved so much With the Brooklyn Nets Before the season it, It's like Oh, can Katie and Kyrie You know, they're gonna be a, It's gonna be chaos With these two guys Two emotional players mm-hmm. They can't get along It's gonna be a disaster there It's gonna blow up And then it's Then it's like Buyout period comes Oh, Blake Griffin's old He can't play He can't do anything anymore Why are they adding him? Well, then Blake Griffin Goes there and people see How he His skills fit Into the greater context there And now with Marcus Aldridge it's turned into, Oh, is buyouts. Is this too much. Is this unfair? Is this right for the game? Katie's loading up again. Can he win alone? Can Katie do it himself? It's like, just, just get out of here. Stop moving the goalposts on these teams. I, I I'm sick of the discourse well, around well, the Brooklyn well, goal post is being moved though.
1: You, 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 you labeled individual criticisms of Different things that no, I mean, like place. I'm saying,
0: going back to before the season, it's like it's going to be chaos here. This team is not going to be as good as everybody expects. And now suddenly it's turned into there's some, you know, this is a juggernaut. And it, or is it, is it fair that they're able to add a Blake Griffin and able to add a Lamarcus Aldridge when? This team, those same players, people were talking about Blake Griffin as being done for years. People were talking about LaMarcus Aldridge being one of the worst defenders in basketball for quite some time. So the point I'm getting at is here is, yes, Blake Griffin is a flawed player now. Yes, LaMarcus Aldridge is a flawed player now, but what I love about what Brooklyn has done is, Pinpointing the pieces and putting them in positions to succeed. I wish that's the way the conversation was more about Brooklyn. Like the video we did at the Ringer with me, Dylan, and Ronick about Blake Griffin and what he could contribute to the Nets. It was based on like their remarkable usage of Bruce Brown, using the six foot four guard as a screener. We're seeing more and team, more and more teams put players into positions where their skills can be highlighted. The Clippers doing this more recently with Terrence Mann, having him as a screener on the short roll, we can pick apart defenses. I respect these teams putting these players into positions to succeed, whether they're younger guys like Bruce Brown or Terrence Mann or older fading players like Blake Griffin. So I'm really, really excited to see what LaMarcus Aldridge could look like in a new situation. Cause the Brooklyn Nets and Steve Nash and head coach have shown that even when guys are out, Katie's missed so much time. Kyrie's missed games that they still have a ability to put guys into positions to succeed. So when I think about the Brooklyn Nets, I, I wish it wasn't so much about like, oh, is this fair? Is this okay? You know, blah, blah, this and that. And more so, it's remarkable what they're doing there. And I think Steve Nash and that coaching staff has done one heck of a job. To put these guys into positions to succeed, yeah, I don't while about guys being, are missing, I don't think
1: it's about being fair. I think it's just that people don't like it; they resent it. You know what I mean? The yeah, same, they, same way they didn't, about... they didn't like the Heat guys all teaming up. You know what I'm
0: saying? Like yeah, has been I, since sure. I, Yeah, and I totally get it, but like I just what I don't get is people saying Blake Griffin is old, he's done, he's trashed. Who was saying that? There, it was all over the internet, when he signed with When he signed with Brooklyn, people said that was, it was a until bad the, signing? I would say it was until the day he signed with the Nets. It was like until the day he signed with the Nets. And then you signed with the Nets. This well, you were doing team.
1: that. You trash boy Griffin.
0: When, <laughs> I mean, what are we talking w- about? W- w- with what he could present in the buyout period to a contending team?
1: No, not, uh, no, I'm saying once the buyout period came, it was like, okay, if he's a buyout guy, hey, maybe he might still have something to bring to the table. But, I mean, you weren't you weren't there promoting Blake Griffin as he's still good. I mean, everybody when he was in Detroit. We did a show. You said he had the worst contract in the whole league. Yeah, he did have the worst
0: contract in the yeah, whole I know, league. For, but he, for, like, if you're – there's a big difference between – Well, the fact the, the, is
1: he was not good in Detroit. So if people were saying he wasn't good in Detroit, that's one thing. But, yeah, but in terms of playing done, a minor what, but role – saying he's
0: – like, Chris, like, if you factor in contracts, that's a totally different conversation. If you're speaking sp- strictly about the player – like, skills-wise, yeah, he's not the same guy anymore. That, that goes without saying.
1: Well, look, anytime any of these guys signed with good teams, they get the bump of, hey, maybe they're going to be good after all. Right? Like, that's the way it works. Same with Drummond. You know, Lakers fans would have, if, if Drummond signs with the Celtics, Lakers fans would have said Drummond sucks, whatever. And if, you know, now people say he signs with the Lakers, and they're like, ah, Drummond sucks. You know me I mean? Like, it depends on who who the guy signs with. It, he gets the bump of hey, maybe this guy you know, you get the benefit of the doubt, right? Once you go to some of these teams, you get the benefit. It's like, eh, hey, you know what? Maybe he'll be able to help, you know. But if the guy doesn't sign with you, then all of a sudden it's like, eh, he wasn't that good anyway. I mean, that's just the way it goes.
0: And I don't know. Yeah, if, that, that, that's what fans. That's that's being a fan. If you yep. don't get a guy that you, but I mean, Blake, had a but, but, to but get. Blake
1: Griffin. I don't think anybody criticized Brooklyn for bringing in Blake Griffin because of. I, I I mean, he was going to... Oh, no. It's a I, buyout guy any, that's going to play a
0: minor Chris, role. Chris, I never said anybody did.
1: Oh, I thought that's what you were... That, that, that was the whole thing. You were saying that it the goalposts no. were moving and people were saying... Uh, I'm just... All I said is... That Blake for, Griffin wasn't for, any good and it all was all over the internet. A
0: year, all I'm saying is for a year, it's, you know, Blake is not good anymore. He's done. And then suddenly he signs with the Brooklyn Nets and it becomes this isn't fair. You're adding Blake Griffin, a former all-star to this group. It's like, so you can say the player's done and no good anymore, but then it's a major big deal when that player signs with mm. a contending team. That's all I'm saying, Chris. And like, I I just don't, I I have a hard time with that. And like the contract that Blake Griffin had in Detroit, that made him overpaid and it made it a bad contract. That made it an anchor on the Pistons and but like factor out the contract, there are still skills that the player has that could fit in the right context and like situation and how pieces fit together is oh, and that's, that's it, it's like, is like, is like to me, like what I love most. Like when I watch the NBA, when I watch the NFL, I love seeing how teams are built and pieces are put together. Like that's what interests me more than anything else. And like Blake Griffin still can pass the ball he can still shoot spot-up threes. He can still communicate on defense and be in the right place. And apparently, he can still dunk a little bit, too. <laughs> so, like, putting His that in is, context it, with the Nets, me, it's, it's just fascinating to see what he can offer. And that's why with the Lakers, Chris, it's going to be so interesting here because Andre Drummond, for years, in Detroit and in Cleveland, has never been an efficient scorer around the rim. Post-ups, he has never been efficient. He has never been efficient as a rim runner. And... I think about like what what will he look like with the Lakers? What does he look like when there aren't as many post-ups there? Will they take away post-ups from him? And will they have him run high pick-and-roll with Dennis Schroeder or LeBron James? And how does that impact his ability to score around the room when he's never been with guys who are that good at delivering the ball to a guy screening and rolling. So I'm just, ex- I look forward yeah. to seeing what does Drummond look like in this new context and how does it change the way in which we talk about him at this stage of his career? I think it's just resent. I
1: mean, honestly, Kev, it, it is, it is resent because people look at I mean, people look at it and they go, why they don't like people just latching on to th- teams that are already really good. And I know you feel yeah. differently about that, but I mean, look, it's why, a guy like Kevin Durant does not feel fulfilled with what happened in golden state. I mean, that's, it's the reason. It's the reason why, because people to this very day do not, will never give him the credit he deserves. He won finals MVP. He was the best player on the floor. He's out. He outplayed LeBron James and they'll never give him the credit he deserved because he latched on with somebody that was going to win anyway. And so I think that a lot of that is just, you know, it it just it just bred yeah, from it, resent, right? Like there, that these guys is, say yeah. these teams were gonna win anyway. Why don't you go somewhere where you can actually, you know, move the needle for somebody, help somebody win. They're winning with or without you. You don't move the needle for them at all. And so then people become resentful about it and get upset that they signed with them. And and sometimes it's more extreme than others, but it happens in free agency and then it happens in the buyout market. I mean, look, no buyout guy has ever, uh, I mean, uh, not that I can remember, signed with a shitty team. (laughs) Maybe, maybe they have, I don't
0: know. I (laughs) totally get that, Chris, and it makes sense. It's like we talked about last week. The Lakers will still be the favorites if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy. They will still be the favorites, but no no guarantee of that. An, An Achilles injury for Anthony Davis is a serious thing, and like we talked about last week, we'll see how it affects their continuity and chemistry upon those guys returns at some point before the postseason. And I think you could look at it two ways. You could say the Lakers and nets are making these additions, even though they're the favorites anyway. And you know, why don't, why don't these players sign with other teams, this and that. I I, I think it's a good thing that these teams are not complacent. And, And I would look at it the other way. Um, Where was the conversation with what the Phoenix Suns should do to maximize their odds in this season? Like like with Phoenix, their team, I haven't heard a peep about. I didn't hear a peep about the Suns before the deadline, Chris, about what the Phoenix Suns might do to add to their chances to win a championship. I didn't hear much of anything. I heard they got brought up with Aldridge
1: at one point, right? Because Aldridge, they had taken a run at Aldridge years ago. And that's
0: it. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And even that was quiet. It seemed like that they were just in the background more so because they were after Aldridge a couple of years back during his free agency. But the fact is, is that I, I appreciate these teams that aren't complacent, even if they are the favorites. To me, you should always be trying to get better and always trying to bolster your odds even more and more and more to win a title. So. I mean, I I think I totally get the resentment aspect, but there's no guarantee these teams win a championship. There's a lot of tough opponents in the Western and Eastern Conference that could take them down, and that's what's going to make the rest of the season so exciting to watch because there's some real threats out there that could win a series and that can also match up against some of these favorites in Brooklyn and the Los Angeles Lakers.
1: I do wonder if, you know, when after everything has played out, if generally people just say all right this is stupid and the nets are going to win that side and if the lakers are healthy they're going to win that side and if not it gets interesting but the, you know, people don't like necessarily predetermined right they don't it's like predetermined, the, idea, the idea that these teams are such so heavily favored in order uh in uh, enabling them to to be there at the end and so you have these teams that people we would have already picked the lakers and the Nets, right? Or, I mean, maybe Philly, if you want to throw Philly in there, right? But pretty much, if you, if I said LeBron's healthy, AD's healthy, everybody picks the Lakers. And if I say KD's healthy and the Nets are healthy, most people pick the Nets. There'll be a few that pick the 76ers. And so the fact that they, those are the teams that, you know, add guys while not giving anything up is always going I, I understand from the team side, of course. You your job is to give your team the best chance, but fans are gonna like it. Um, on the other side, you know, the KD thing is still out there, Kev. It is, I mean, we must mention it's a little odd, right? And I do wonder if they're just being mega, mega careful about his injury. And because they're winning anyway, you you you're obviously in no rush. And what matters is the playoffs anyway. And so there's that side of it. And the other side is, man, was this injury a lot more serious than we all thought at the very beginning? Because it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's going to miss All-Star Weekend. And, you know, maybe back after that or soon after that. And now, I mean, it's been a while, you know. And so the question is, are they just being super careful with it? Because they can. Be super careful with it. They don't have to have him back. Um, or is there is there something there more serious than what we once thought?
0: At least runs know. through your head, you know? I haven't, I haven't heard a thing about it. I know Um, nobody had that's what's odd about it, right? I would guess I would guess they're just being far more conservative. And they've just kept on
1: trucking so nobody even thinks about it or talks about it,
0: right? I mean, they're they're eighteen and three in the last twenty one games with Kevin Durant playing only one of them. Harry Irving, I believe, missing six. I think that's the right number. Right. James Harden's been a remarkable player. And like the rest of that team in Brooklyn, the pieces just fit. And Guys are playing at a high level. Somebody like Nick Claxton coming back midseason after the injury in only his second year. He looks awesome. He's gained a lot of weight. Looks like he's got a lot of muscle on his body compared to the guy that we saw at Georgia looks effective on the defensive end, versatile, comfortable against different positions, and then offensively can rim run for you. And he hasn't even been able to show off the playmaking ability that he, that he did at Georgia when he ran some point guard, he ran point guard <laughs> right. at Georgia. So <laughs> maybe a couple years from now, uh, Claxton's playmaking will develop in the NBA or be needed for the Nets. But right now you got plenty of that with Harden and Kyrie and now Blake Griffin.
1: <laughs> you, you always have a honeymoon phase with all these guys uh, from the trade deadline. Honeymoon phase going on for uh, Aaron Gordon in Denver. It'll go on for Norman Powell in Portland. It'll go on for Andre Drummond. You know, I know that's not a trade deadline, but that's a buyout guy. And, and LaMarcus Aldridge, as it did for Blake Griffin. Uh, The honeymoon did not last very long for our buddy Evan Fournier, though. (laughs) That was yeah. that was rough last night. A historically bad debut, and this was without the services of uh, Jalen Brown last night. But uh, Fournier did not. Uh, he made the same amount of shots as I did uh, for the Celtics last night. And so, generally, you do get some kind of honeymoon. But it did not seem like Boston fans were all that enthused about the Evan Fournier experience last night.
0: Yeah, bad baby was he all for ten? yeah over 10 yeah.
1: uh in 30 something minutes on the flip side of that they had to play against the force of nature that is Zion Williamson Zion is on a streak here now that is absolutely out of control um you know it seems like every day there is some kind of new stat for points or a you know, versus age that he is putting up and his level of dominance um, already at this point has been crazy. He is now, as of today, averaging 26 points, uh, seven rebounds, 3.5 assists. And it seems like every night you're getting a he cannot be guarded tweet that you're watching. He had his 24th consecutive game with 20 points on 50% shooting. That is one shy of tying Shaquille O'Neal for the longest mm. streak ever.
0: Hmm. Unbelievable. Bro. Unbelievable. Bro.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, 25, 25 straight games it's going to be
0: if he does it the next game. Where would you have him ranked in the NBA right now? Is he a top 10 player already? Is he a top 15 player? Top 20? Where would you have him ranked right now?
1: I mean, look, I mean, I'm this is how I'm thinking about it. I'm, you know, because there's a million ways you can do this exercise. If you're starting a team, if
0: you're, yeah, if yeah.
1: I, had, if, uh, let's do it like this. If I had to win a game tonight.
0: Yeah. Like the, like the 10 best players today. Me yeah, and yeah. you are yeah. going to
1: play a game tonight Yeah, and we're going to pick our team. Yeah. That type I, of thing. I, and I line everybody up against the wall. And now me yep. and you get to pick exactly. teams. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be shocked if you made it to 10. I, th- I, I think I think me I'd or you, and now again, if we're doing the picking, other yeah. people, you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, look, there's a lot of great players in the league. There is. There's so a many. lot of great there's players so in many. the league. And as soon as you do an exercise like this, th- then there's going to inevitably be like, look, you take him over Lillard, you take him over Harden, you take him over Embiid, you take him over Giannis, you take him over LeBron, you take him over AD, you take him over, I mean, I get it, right? Like, so it's
0: hard. Definitely. (laughs) I think think if you factor in, you know, history of performance, guys who have done it for years, then naturally he's not going to be ranked ahead of AD or he's not going to be ranked ahead of Jokic for that matter right now. But, you know, the fact that you can put him top 15 or top, 20 right now when he hasn't even played a full 82 games yet in his career says a lot I I mean, I I think I'd had I tried to put the put him in, in rankings this morning before we did our recording and I had him I think 12th or 13th and That's in the same area as guys like Paul George as Devin Booker as Chris Paul You know, it's in that range. I don't know where I'd slot him exactly but he's in that range of player right now, and that says a lot about him This who is what I'm going to say about
1: him, And I don't say this about. I think there are a lot of guys that when I look at their just numbers, I watch the games and I look at their numbers, and I say, "You know what? They are, that, that is a guy that is maximizing his ability. That yes. guy like I watch them, and I will watch the game and get furious yes, that they exactly. aren't giving him the ball. <laughs> and at the end of the game, the guy has yep. got 32 points. Yep. And I'm like, that's with me bitching about how they didn't even throw him the ball in the first half of the game enough. Like he had yep. maybe like eight at halftime, or he had like 12 at halftime. And it's like, do you guys know Zion Williams? like I really don't know what the frigging ceiling is. He's averaging 26. I do not think he is close to averaging what, uh, you know, most of the time, if a guy averages 26, obviously for 99% of the league, that is a career year. Okay. (laughs) But but most of the time you're like, wow, that guy's averaging 26. He's doing it every night. And you feel like he's getting the most out of his
0: ability. I don't feel that way at all. And that's because you, when you say that, no, you mean like because of the usage and the personnel around him, Stephen Adams, a non-floor spacing center. I think he could Eric absolutely
1: average 35 a game
0: this year. With, with, I'm saying with right the, now he could be averaging. With if it, like shooters around him, you mean like a better roster around him. You shit, can see If that. you just yeah. gave
1: him six of Brandon Ingram shots. He'd average thirty five a game. I mean, the guy shoots like ninety percent from the field every other game. It feels like you you see at the end of the night, it's like Zion Williamson had thirty eight points on seventeen for twenty from the field, and you're like, what in the heck? Seventeen for twenty, like he. I mean, again, there's when you're that stat was that'll be this next game would be twenty four games. Uh, with over 20 points, over 50%. So, I mean, you get, it's a good shot every time he takes it. Mm -hmm. Literally every time he takes a shot, it's a good shot. I don't know. I mean, and maybe he is, maybe that's the most he could do, but you watch them and there's not one time any NBA fan has watched the Pelicans this year and has not yelled at the screen, just throw it, throw it to the guy that nobody can stop. How about that? It's not that hard. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and and that's what makes Zion so remarkable here um he is breaking nba defenses he is getting trapped on pick and rolls, even though he is not a three point shooter off the dribble and he's still able to get to the basket. And if he's not able to get to the basket, he's able to generate an, enough space for his teammates because uh, he is a wrecking ball getting to the basket. Defenses need to respect him, which opens up everybody else. And to your point, Chris, that's why, like, if he has knockdown shooters around him, the ideal roster around Zion Williamson could lead to him having the most efficient 30-plus point-per-game season we've ever seen in league history. Like This guy is still only getting better. He's still only getting better. And we're seeing the development of his shot over the course of the season. The free-throw shooting has gotten better in that 24-game stretch you're talking about. He's shooting 73% from the line, 29 points per game on 65% from the field obscene efficiency for a guy who's not shooting off the dribble yet who can get wherever he wants who can create any shot that he wants who can pass the ball this guy people talked about him is he a small ball center what he is is a guy who runs your offense and we're going to see that develop over the course of time with the new orleans pelicans who by the way over this stretch have the number one offensive rating in the nba the offense is already there it's already elite the question now and that's despite having <laughs> less than ideal personnel the question moving forward is going to be finding guys who can further elevate hey. this trans, this generational talent and defend
1: that's what they need all right two things number one when i watched pelicans play utah earlier this year there was a play where they threw it down to zion he's at the you know he's at the square threw it down to zion at the square kevin he had the ball back to the basket he turned no swinging elbow nothing he just lowered his shoulder and he turned. And as he turned, Rudy Gobert th- flew into the third row of the stands. And Zion Williamson oh, just yeah, laid yeah. it up. No foul, no nothing. And it was that moment, I remember rewinding it, and I was watching it with my son. And I said, that is the mm-hmm. that's the, the the best shot blocker in the world. Like, and and he's a giant. And he just. This guy just flew into the third hole. Like, what the F are you supposed to do against this guy? And he didn't. It wasn't an offensive foul. It was just sheer, like, I'm moving 300 pounds into your chest, and now you're going to be – you are going to – it was like a, like a pendulum or something, and now you're going to fly back <laughs> three feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the ball hit the ball. Um, the second thing is, you know who's come along – I I still I would I still had my stock and it is it's been nice to be checking a uh, Ameritrade and seeing my NAW stock go up considerably. Oh, <laughs> he's getting he's getting thirty plus minutes now. This uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who I loved coming out of the draft, and I did think that was a great draft pick for them. He has not, he, you know, last year was just not much of an opportunity never got in the flow. It wasn't a good rookie year by any means, right? But he also didn't have much of an opportunity. Um first time he's really like getting out there, he's playing 30 plus minutes and he is like that's when you know, when you give the guy the minutes and he produces, now all of a sudden you know. And they it took them a long time into this season to figure this out, but I like him being in that starting lineup and I do think he's a guy that you know we're we're going to look up, and he is a he is a real player in this league. And they've had him sitting there and not really being a part of it, but they have now thrown him Van Gundy uh, has thrown him in the starting lineup, and the kid is really producing. I love it
0: in his five games as a starter, averaging eighteen points, five rebounds, three assists, only two turnovers, forty six percent from the field, forty percent from three. Yeah, man playing really good basketball. He is good. He's always been And he's one of those guys that's six foot six yes. who can plug and play into different roles. He can run some pick and roll for you, bring the ball up the court here and there if you need him to. Can play off ball. He's a smart cutter. He knows how to move off ball. He knows just knows how to play. He's a high IQ player. And with all these guys, like Kira Lewis, also, been really good for the Pelicans when provided opportunities. Their rookie point guard. He's the type of guy, like long term, when you're building this out with the Pelicans. What's most impressive this year with Lewis 69 assists, nice, to only 13 turnovers. That's awesome for a rookie. And granted, he's only played 31 games, only has played 15 minutes per game, not getting consistent minutes. But when he's been provided opportunities, I've been highly 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 impressed with what Lewis has brought to the Pelicans. So they have the guys on their roster, Alexander Walker, Kira Lewis, they would love to have in a backcourt on a team with a Zion Williamson. It's just going to take time for some of them to develop in addition to finding more personnel, you know, through trade or through free agency, well, it's but up, the Pelicans it's also have fascinating the
1: like I mean maybe I mean clearly you had the, you had the redick minutes Open up completely. But, like, there's always some kind of circumstances where you can end up stumbling into something that actually changes your team, you know, for the better. And I do think that both short term and long term, that Nikhil Alexander Walker thing is going to help them tremendously. He is a really good fit and he is a dynamite player. I'm glad to see him getting his opportunity because that was one of those where, as last season played out and the beginning of this season played out, it's like, geez, man. Like, I loved this kid at Virginia Tech. I thought this was a big-time steal in the draft, but the kid just doesn't, you know, it's some minutes here, some minutes there, and he doesn't really... You know, he hasn't really gotten in the flow of anything. The numbers stink. So hopefully he either gets his shot there, but he's got a shot. He's made the most of it. Um, yep.
0: They're looking good, man. They're looking really, really good. Those Pelicans right now.
1: They have turned up. And so have the Kings. The Kings have turned up. And you know what? I, go look at Halliburton's game last night in the starting lineup. And it ran through my mind last night with Halliburton in that starting. Lineup. They went mega small. Because, I mean, I know he's not small, but they had Fox and Heald, and they had him and Buddy, or I'm sorry, a Buddy, Fox, uh, Barnes, and Halliburton with just the one real big guy in Rashawn Holmes is what they ran out there last night. And Halliburton was outstanding uh, in the game, very productive. And I thought last night, you know, Lonzo, or Lonzo, sorry, Lamelo, he played <laughs> 41 games. And they were crazy impressive. There's no way around it. And but I did wonder, like, with that injury, did that door remain open? It felt like he was just going to completely run away with rookie of the year. As good as Halliburton had been, he was not going to like it. It, it was probably going to be unanimous by the end of the year um, with Lamelo Ball winning rookie of the year. That being said. I do wonder, especially if Halliburton, you know, can stay in that starting lineup and start producing a lot and the Kings make a run here in these last 30 games,
0: he might be able to win that award, huh? I don't know. What do you think? LaMelo played 41. Yeah, Chris, there's a real chance. There is. It's undeniable here. You know, when you play 41 of potentially only 72 games, there's a chance and that there will be voters like who voted for Malcolm Brogdon over Joel Embiid beat a couple of years back. We we could see that. So right or wrong. I don't know. I'm not Kings ready to will probably that. have
1: to get into 10, though, right?
0: Yeah, may, maybe. I don't know how much that'll factor into the minds of voters with team record for the rookie of the year. It seems less important than with like most valuable player or even right. defensive player of the year. But I'm sure it'll be a little bit of a factor, maybe a tiebreaker for some voters, but you can't rule out Halliburton. Mm-hmm. To your point, I'm with you there, Chris. But he's the only one. Wouldn't you say? Edwards. Yeah.
1: Edwards a- a- I mean,
0: it? Edwards has been surging, but I don't I don't think he'll reach the point where he'd get voted over LaMelo. Yeah, it's just something but, to, but, to keep an still, eye there's on. there's still time left. There's still time left. Yeah, no, and no, no, you're no. right. It's just Definitely. something to
1: keep an eye on because the door got left open in what was a decided Award. Definitely. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, exactly. like, I mean, LaMelo was going to just he, run he, away. Was, he
0: thing. was the runaway. And, yeah. and, and he might still win it. Who knows? And now Halliburton's catching up. I mean, like you said, he's starting now, getting more minutes, getting more touches, getting more opportunities. Like he's had some high scoring games. He's had some high assist games. Halliburton's already a very, very good player. Well, when you watch those you teams, <laughs> like somebody
1: like him with them, and they, you know, you see some of these teams post trade deadline. We talked about the. We talked about the Nikhil Alexander Walker thing going on in uh with, with the Pelicans. We talked about uh last night with the Kings. And I know they've had some injuries too, but they start Halliburton uh last night. And you see like the guys that they bring off of their bench, like they did add depth to that team. Like they got better um at that trade deadline. Like they sneaky improved their team, I thought. Um Maybe considerably because, like, look, they th- they came off the bench with Terrence Davis. They came off the bench with Mo Harkless, who played well for him. They bring DeLon yeah. White, who's good, good mega point. solid. Yeah,
0: good point. <laughs> like they
1: did. Like,
0: I mean, they did bring guys yeah. off their bench that are like real players. It, it, it's your philosophy of don't play guys who suck. They added guys who don't suck. They're not great you, players. You but, know what's crazy? But they're solid players. <laughs> you know
1: what's cra- what's crazy about that? I watched the Grizzlies and the Rockets last night and there was a moment in that game where the rockets uh and i we know what their what their season looked like right now right but they had a lineup that was out there that earlier in the year like it was uh DJ Augustine Avery Bradley Kelly Olinick Kevin Porter Jr and DJ Wilson <laughs> and i was like What in the head? This is so crazy. Like, none of those guys were even on this team. Like, now they've got this whole lineup of five guys. And, you know, I named all those names. Like, they're all, like solid, like they've had careers like outside of Porter. You know, who knows what's going to be? We know he's talented enough to be in the NBA. and could be in the NBA for a long time. if He could stay out of his own way. DJ Wilson, who knows how long. But the other guys are like 10-year NBA veterans. And I did wonder, like, I don't know if they're going to, like, I don't know if they're going to be bad enough to be able to fight off these, the Clevelands and the Minnesotas. Like, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Like they've got, it's this weird, you know, conglomeration of guys that have had like real careers, like real NBA players that are out there, not just like G league guys that are trying to play. And so I, I feared for rockets fans. I'm like, man, this team might win too much. Like they're <laughs> not, they, these players, the players themselves are not horrible. Right. They're like, they're they, they just have some young solid talent.
0: dudes. I, I hope for them, Kevin Porter Jr. turns into something. He's had some nice games. He's had some nice moments for them. Uh, but I, I wouldn't yeah. worry about winning too much if you're the Houston Rockets. Uh, if you're a Houston Rockets fan, this team is going to lose plenty of games. It's just a matter of if they're the worst or like third or fourth worst. <laughs> well, they're not close to the, They're not. what I'm saying is they're not close to the worst roster. That's no, the problem. I, I, right?
1: I mean, well, who who does have the worst roster right now? Well, you, you need say? to find, like, young guys that are, you know, well, like... Is it look, Detroit right now? Some of these Oklahoma cities that they're putting out there, when they do not have Gilgis Alexander, and the other night, the Celtics game, and they they pulled Dort out of the game, and they were, like, concussion-like symptoms yeah, okay, or something.
0: So OKC okay, so can't be the worst team, though, because they have Alexei Pokershevsky. <laughs> Oh, 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 my bad! I forgot about that. I, lo- I love Foku. And by the way, like OKC's got some rock solid players on there too. Like Moses Brown getting minutes, putting up a twenty twenty bomb. Then it's right. Cle-
1: then it's cl- it's Cleveland. <laughs> they getting a
0: big contract. It's Cleveland. I mean, they didn't play
1: Jared Allen, right? Like it, when they don't. Yeah, have but J-
0: Cleveland has you know Sexton and everybody's Garland got and a Nance. couple guys. Kev. I know, I know, yeah. and like that's but like that's the nice thing. That's the nice thing right now. Doesn't it feel like every team has a couple I mean, guys he can look to?
1: Look, they had Sexton and Garland last night. They put up less than 80 points. <laughs> they scored they scored less than 80, Kevin. 80! They scored 77 points in a NBA game. I mean, I think we've got to put them
0: up that's, there. That's hard to do, Chris.
1: <laughs> People, hard I mean, the Nets score 77 and a half. They scored that in the whole game yeah, last night. 114
0: to 75. That's
1: t- <laughs> it's t- I told you, that's tough. Um, it's hard to do. Uh, you know, so in that Eastern Conference, there are we've got some real serious se- separation that has taken place recently, where we've got those top three, which are uh, Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, and then everybody else after that. Um, and so, you've got those three, and I do think we we should mention the Embiid injury. Has not hurt Philly, which I think is a stunning revelation within this season. The fact that they are eight and two in their last ten games is incredibly impressive, because we know that they've got other players, they've got depth, but Embiid was, by most accounts, when he went out, the front runner for MVP this season. And when you lose a guy like that, you would expect that you're just trying to, you're just trying to, you know, you win your share, hopefully not drop, you know, low below 500 in the games that you have to play without, without him. But they have been outstanding, even without Embiid. And I do think that they are the team that while all the attention has been on the Nets, The first-place team in the East is the 76ers, and they have remained that even without Embiid, which is shocking to me. And it stands to reason when they get Embiid back, I just think maybe they deserve a little more uh, respect, attention, whatever it may be. I think everybody, you know, we all talk about the Nets all the time. For good reason, they're a team flooded with superstars. But what the Sixers have done has been super impressive,
0: to say the least. I mean, I think both Philly and Brooklyn winning with guys missing is impressive. Philly's six and two without Embiid. They lost their games to Milwaukee in overtime. They lost Mm -hmm. to the Clippers by 10 points on Saturday, but they've won the games that they need to. They beat San Antonio. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Kings. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Warriors without Steph Curry. They beat the Lakers, obviously depleted right now. So they're winning the games that they need to, and they're playing fairly well. Without Joel Embiid out there being their anchor on defense, being their go-to scoring option, and that's a testament to the rest of that talent on that roster and how it's been built out. With Tobias Harris, he didn't make the All-Star game, but he was in the conversation. Seth Curry stepping up big time this season, you know, showing what he can do when he's around players of this caliber. You have guys who can come up big on particular nights. Obviously, they traded Bradley at the deadline but he had some nice nights while Joel Embiid was out. You can see Shake Milton step up sometime. So Philly gets it from different places within their roster and that's a testament to the depth they have and why with Joel Embiid they're going to be really hard for teams to match up against. Remember like our conversation so earlier big. talking about talking about Brooklyn, talking about LA, talking about these teams, you got to have big and you got to have size to stop a guy like Joel Embiid. You can't stop him. Let me not use that word. To contain or slow down or hinder what the player wants to do. Uh, You cannot stop him. And that'll create challenges looking ahead to the postseason for a heck of a lot of teams. And I I look forward to seeing how Philly matches up in those situations because there's so few teams that can match up against Jojo, Joel Embiid. Yeah,
1: that's what we got to we, we got to keep our fingers crossed on a lot of this stuff. We got to yeah. f- keep our fingers crossed that Embiid comes back, uh makes full recovery, Durant makes full recovery, LeBron makes full recovery, 80. AD makes <laughs> yeah. full recovery.
0: I mean, and we're do. definitely missing some guys off the top of our head. There's been a no, lot No, but <laughs> those are
1: like we need uh, you want everybody to be able to be full of strength uh to play this thing out. And outside of those three that are there at the top, I mean, you've had, you know, Boston fell under a game under 500 last night. Uh, Miami's down there. I know that one night changes everything. You can go from four to eight in one night, but Miami's the only other one that is down there that I think could be a threat
0: to those three. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we have four games of separation between Charlotte at four and Chicago at ten. Only four games. That's wild, Chris. Yeah, but there's a what? what, Is there five
1: or five and a half between three and four? Five and a half between three and four. Yeah, so So those three have really Brooklyn,
0: Milwaukee. Yeah, and and then five and a half between Milwaukee and Charlotte, and then only four separating Chicago at ten and then Charlotte at three. It's wild how tight it is. So, like the order, like you said, doesn't matter quite as much. But you know, Miami. I'm with you, Chris. Like you can't out, you can't overlook the fact that they exceeded expectations last year. Yeah, you know they're a team that went to the finals, but they're a team that was built for the playoffs, and I'm sure they'll present challenges again in this postseason. And even with Boston, there's so much talent on that roster that you, I don't think you can rule out that maybe the shakeup. Could fix things a yep. little bit there. Well, so I want to see. I want to see the team over the next couple of weeks before I say definitively no, no, no with them. But I certainly everything we've seen so far, the answer is a clear, definitive no. But we'll see how things change up because even Fournier, he stunk in his debut, zero for ten. But I like the way they used him, having him come off screens and handoffs, ran a little bit of pick and roll. Like that's what he can add to that roster: some shot creation, another guy who can create for you. And, you know, doing that without Jalen Brown playing, I look forward to seeing that team at full strength. Look, I Someone will say this. Some
1: talent. It, you know, you always say, is, the, is there a chance that a team has a guy that could be the best player in a series? And the answer with them is they do. Yeah, they definitely. Do. Same way Jimmy Butler, you could look up, no matter who you're playing, you could say Jimmy Butler was the best player in that series. Yes. Or great, Jason great Tatum. The rest of those teams, they ain't got that guy. They just yeah. don't. They don't have the guy where I think... That guy could be the best player in a series against a really good team, um, but but the Celtics obviously do, and they you know, you get credit what you've won before if you're them. You know what I mean? You've been in the Eastern Conference Finals three you've of the been last in, four. Yeah, you've three, been. Of, that's
0: impressive. So they can't be you know overlooked just for that reason. They also can't be overlooked because now they have Luke Cornett. <laughs> Dominant. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, and, and, and they're playing Robert Williams a lot more minutes. Dominant. And 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 Celtics fans for so long now have been like just hammering. Need to see more Time Lord. Need to see more Time Lord. He looks pretty good, dude. Like Martin, like Robert Williams looks like a legit good player. Tilly, he's at
1: the free throw line. Then it's yeah, I mean yeah. Katie barred the
0: door. That's unfortunate. Just don't but. be
1: don't be a, don't be a fan behind the. Good thing there's no fans there because if there were, but, they fans will be behind next the game.
0: The, the, the doors are open. Next game, Boston's going to have fans again. Oh, that's right. Or yeah, was it yeah. last night? Uh, I, I think it was last night. They're uh, maybe back. it was last night. Yeah, yeah because I saw Abby night, Chin tweet right. about it. She was so excited. That's right. It was last night's game. Yeah.
1: Saying that, uh, you know, the people were back. I guess, like, oh, God, they let him in to go see Zion, huh? Yep. Terrible. <laughs> time,
0: time Lord, man. Good player. Like I said, this Celtics team in the rest of the season is a different team. So, mm-hmm. like when assessing them, I I I'm gonna hold off until we see this roster play together. Okay. There's still a chance, slim it. but a chance. That's fair. Uh, this thing- is a weird, this, Chris. This is a weird season. Yep. Right. Like it is. It, like, There's no question like that that needs to be factored in here. Like the COVID stuff, you know, protocols, players missing games, all that. I'm not like when it comes to projecting ahead to the postseason. I'm not putting too much weight into until what we saw early in the season this year to me there's so many factors in the schedule the playing tournament cannot be you know underrated here in mm. terms of what we're going to see the rest of the year right now like today it feels like you know with march madness happening the ncaa tournament and everything happening like it's that point of the year where things slow down in the nba and things settle in this year is a little bit different because to get a, be a block in the postseason, you got to get that sixth seed. Mm-hmm. So you have four games of separation between the fourth seed and the tenth seed, the final playing spot, the tenth spot. These teams are going to fight to get a lock in the top six in both conferences. So this is where we're going to see a higher level of competition. I think with players starting to get vaccinated, which, by the way, if you can, go get vaccinated. I got my first dose last Monday. My mom got her second dose yesterday. Uh, I'm excited to get my second one sometime in April. So, you know, if you can get vaccinated like players are protocols for the NBA, they're lifted. Guys can start being more normal and, and doing normal things and being in the right. same locker room together and have a normal team. And that's going to be great for us on our personal lives. It's going to be great for teams and their careers. So everything that happened in the first half, it matters, but when projecting ahead, I think we're going to see a higher level of basketball that's going to matter more in terms of translating what we're going to see in the postseason. This is not a normal year. Oh, there's no,
1: look, there is no question that that what you're saying is true. As someone who, you know, uh, is watching a small market team that's in, whatever, ninth place right now, every single game that somebody like the Grizzlies plays feels bigger. Now than it has in other seasons
0: because the plan, right? Absolutely. Because you can't be
1: losing games to somebody like Houston. You have to win those games or else it feels so much worse this year than it has before. And I also say this, the one thing that is super weird about this season, Kevin, is in years past, there was always this great column that I used to look forward to every month that was, uh, Baxter Holmes used to do it for ESPN. And He's it a heck was, of a writer, Baxter it, Holmes. It was, but he would chronicle at the beginning of every month, schedule losses. And I would always go and look at those. And when I would see weird scores, I would see if it would match up. And he was doing like the three and four nights. He was saying, okay, in this spot- because uh, uh, every once in a while you'd see one of these like crazy ass scores, and you'd be like, "What in the world?" And you know, then I'd go back and look at the Baxter Holmes column, and it will have been predicted. He would have said, "You know, they played on uh, Saturday. They played on, uh, uh, or they played on Tuesday, or they played on Saturday. They played on Monday night, and then they took a late flight and they played Denver." on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So it's three and four nights and they got slaughtered in the game. And you could go back and look and you'd be like, oh yeah, here's that schedule loss thing. Yeah. They were talking about, the whole damn season yeah. <laughs> would be a Baxter yeah. Holmes column. The yep. whole yep. season. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you see these odd scores every night and if you really went back and look, what you'd find out is like, like there was a game here that I saw a couple weeks ago where it was like, Miami came here they they're playing their fourth game in six nights on the road. I mean it's ridiculous. Like that's so far beyond a schedule loss. <laughs> it's crazy. And they fought to the nail the very end. That was the one where Morant hit the game winner on Jimmy Butler. But I mean they fought to the very end, but it's like their fourth friggin game in six days. What are we talking about here? Baxter Holmes would have the whole column would just be every other game that is being played every night, which were typically in years past deemed uh, schedule losses. A uh, couple of things I want to get through right before we get out of here. Uh, NCAA tournament, as you mentioned, is going on. Everybody's been watching it. Um, Evan Mobley is the highest Ooh. ranked of the players that is still around. He and Suggs, uh, the point guard for Gonzaga, are still in the NCAA tournament, which are very high guys on yours and every other draft board in the free world. Um, What have you made? You know, there was really no way, and we chronicled this at the beginning, there's really no way for somebody like Mobley or Suggs to improve their stock. We didn't think, you know what I mean? Like, I I guess you could have... Unless it's the
0: number one for Mobley.
1: Yeah, right? And with Suggs, I mean, I guess... I'm sure you could find somebody out there that prefers him to Cunningham. You could. That's just the way it goes with with guards. You know, yeah. there's going to be somebody out there that, I mean, look, I had three different guys tell me, you know, everybody's talking about Porzingis, but the one from overseas that's the one? Cezonia. He's the one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that yeah. was obviously rather prevalent because Cezonia went fifth in the draft. Like, there were a lot of people that thought that. So... As crazy as it might sound, there are like, Suggs is a massive recruit. He is a crazy athlete. There's, it, it stands to reason, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Somebody's going to like Suggs, um, and happens, if he's yeah, holding up a title trophy, you know, we could get him in that mix as a. At least it's a debate. Um, but what have you? What have you made of Mobley? The dunk the other night on Oregon was just freako stuff that was unbelievable that is exactly how you envision him right catching you know the screen and roll and him flying to the basket and just destroying somebody
0: you know the thing with evan mobley is he can do all those quote-unquote big man things Mm -hmm. you know throw down dunks and all that but what's what, what i'm sure has really stuck out to people watching him most is the feel the fluidity on the perimeter his ability to create some space for himself off the dribble as a shooter to make passes to his teammates straight off the dribble with flow. It's a seamless move for him. He has good vision. He's unselfish. He can defend on the perimeter. He can defend on the interior. He's an active aware off ball defender. He's a rebounder. He boxes out. I mean, like he does it all. He really does it all. The only thing with him that he doesn't have is like the size to defend like a Jokic or an Embiid. That's it. Like, as a big man, he's not a big, big. (laughs) He's a lean big. And that's okay, though, because the benefit of that is the versatility aspect. And there's different flavors of big man in today's NBA. And with Mobley, he checks all the boxes that you want for most matchups, most nights. If it's a matchup against an Embiid or a Jokic, okay. Well, that's where you bring in your big strong, thick, big man, right? The right. guy who's tough and strong, you know, the typical traditional center. That's when you have that guy for that matchup and Mobley can do everything else. So I, I well love, and Who knows what he I looks like guy, in man. five
1: years? I mean, Embiid didn't look like Embiid. I've got Embiid's rookie card. He doesn't look like he does now. Oh, yeah. I promise oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Mo- Mo- Mobley can put Pack on some pounds over the years and he will. Look at young Anthony Davis. He yes. was very lean too. He'll get bigger over the coming years. How about uh, the worst? Know,
1: so. The worst, oh, not the worst, the best one. Is I've got, uh, the other day, my son was going through my cards and I've got this, uh, I've got a Giannis rookie. It's a, it's the pinnacle one. And he was looking at it and he's like, no way. And I was like, yes way. (laughs) Like
0: that is really what Giannis looked like.
1: Like, I mean, his arm is just a, it's a
0: nothing like a nothing. NBA strength and conditioning programs can do wonders. My God. All right. You has know? anybody, maybe, maybe, in your I, maybe mind, I need one of those, Chris. <laughs> has anybody really caught
1: your eye? Uh, tournament wise.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I think of the remaining teams. Keep your eye on Franz Wagner on okay. Michigan, brother of Mo Wagner. His two way potential in the NBA is pretty impressive. He's not going to be like a star scorer for you but he's such a good defensive player. And that's one of the reasons why Michigan is where they are. And they face UCLA tonight, Tuesday night. So that's a game to watch. Um, I think Baylor, you know, obviously they're the one seed. They got some guys, man, Davion Mitchell, uh, Jared and baller. it is crazy that he wears forty five too, right? Yeah, dude. Mitchell <laughs> Mitchell's a baller, man. Like that guy is tough. A Mitchell yeah, that defends. wears forty five though. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's like I know. you flip on the game. You're like, come on.
0: It, isn't it crazy? Like even the way he kind of moves off the dribble. Yes. Sort of reminds you of Donovan Mitchell. <laughs>
1: he's got he's got some handles too. Yeah,
0: it, with, it's like. I feel like comparisons, the comparison would matter if his last name was Smith and his number was 21, right? Like, <laughs> right. They, he, would, he would still compare him to Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I think that's true. It's but the true. fact that his, na- his,
1: his name is Mitchell and he wears 45 yeah. <laughs> uh, is kind of crazy. It yeah. was, you know, w- one of the guys uh, that is there in your top 10 that I hated to see the, the flame out was M- Moody. That was a yeah. very rough one to go out on last night. And I know that kid wishes... He had a much better night than he did, but that was, you know, he's, you know, and, and the same what with Keon Johnson, you know, who's up there, he's yeah. in your top 10. I mean, there were a lot of those guys, the, this is not littered. The teams that have made it this far are not necessarily the ones that are littered with the, the NBA
0: guys. Sure. You know? Definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, with Moody, it wasn't just the two for 10 mm. and the loss. It was also the four of 20 yeah. and there went over oral Roberts you know, so we had two poor, tough. Poor, poor performances in a row. So that that's tough, man. And those are the type of games that you're talking about. How is the the, the tournament valued in terms of draft stock and all that? Teams will look back at those games and examine them closely to see, okay, are we going to reevaluate here from having this guy ranked, you know, seventh on our no. board, and maybe he's oh, actually. Oh, and there's 14th. famous
1: stories about this. Look, there's famous uh, uh, there's a famous story about. Uh, I remember reading years ago. Uh, Chris Mullen, St. John's was awful. Uh, In a tournament game, James Harden, awful for Arizona State in his last tournament game, Um, you know, just didn't perform the way that everybody wanted him to. And I mean, there's 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 a there's a ton of these examples over the years. And so. That Jabari is not Parker. necessarily the end-all be-all is what we'll so, say. Someti- as I just it- named
0: two Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but sometimes it's the other way with a Jabari Parker. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it goes that way too.
1: Or Wiggins wasn't so hot in that yeah. Stanford game yeah. uh, that they lost to Gr- Johnny grant- Dawkins granted- to
0: them. Granted, Wiggins eventually, over the course of time, it did lead us to the point no, I- where you're, where you're going to bid me $100. <laughs> I don't want to hear I
1: don't. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Tied this
0: right back to the beginning of the podcast. Close. All
1: right. This show's over. I hate this one. This is the worst episode we and I have ever done. Um, <laughs> thank you. We'll talk again on Friday. Thank you to producer Sasha as always. And uh, Kevin, I'll talk to you later this week.
0: Thank you everybody for listening. Have a fun rest of your week.